Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. Thank you also to CareAlign for sponsoring this episode. Have you been looking for a better way to manage your tasks and collaborate with your colleagues? Check out CareAlign, a HIPAA-compliant digital workspace built to make the EHR work better for clinicians. Manage your tasks, build dynamic care plans, and generate your progress notes in a single platform. Visit www.caroline.ai backslash explore to learn more. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Kamali Thompson. And Kamali is a fourth-year medical student who will be starting her orthopedic surgery residency at Temple University a little bit later this year. And she is simultaneously closing in on her Olympic goal of competing at the 2021 Tokyo Summer Olympic Games as a saber fencer. She joins us to discuss this incredible journey of chasing two tremendous aspirations at the exact same time. And in the course of our conversation, Kamali presents some of the most inspiring and exciting discussion of goal setting and positive self-talk as a process and as a skill that I can remember. And I think you are going to absolutely love it. What she is doing is very rare. It is extraordinarily challenging, and it is truly exceptional. And being a part of this conversation was just a wonderful thing, and I think you're going to absolutely love it. I just want to remind everyone, do please check out Explore the Space podcast, wherever you like to download your shows, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Please do subscribe and leave us that five-star rating and review. It really helps the show out. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can find me on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can find the entire archive of Explore the Space podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com. And also, as a reminder, I did give a TED Talk recently. The topic was compliments as a performance lever during COVID-19. It was a really wonderful opportunity to do a TEDx address as part of TEDx SUNY Upstate. And there is a link in the show notes. So please do check that out. I hope you enjoy it. This conversation with Kamali Thompson was really special. I used to be a fencer. I still love the sport. It's an incredible sport. There's some fun links in the show notes as well as some really good action. You can see we talk about how fast she is and we you'll see how fast she is when you look at the YouTube videos of her as well. She is on an Olympic pathway and she's going to be an orthopedic surgeon too. She is an exceptional part of the medical community and of our community at large. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing her. So without further ado, Kamali Thompson. Kamali, welcome to Explore the Space podcast. I'm so excited to interview you. This is going to be great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. One of the things I'm just beaming, I mentioned to you as we started, so I, we, we have much to discuss, but there are certain things that I just really love, and one of them is sports. I'm a huge sports fan, always have been, and I love all sports, but there are certain sports that I really have an abiding affection for, 
And one of those is fencing. I fenced back in the day. And to get to interview somebody at the, at your level in fencing on the brink of an Olympic games is really cool. So thank you for coming on. Thanks. Yeah. It's really exciting. And I love meeting other fencers. I don't know that I would call myself an other fencer. I fenced at one point. I still have my helmet. I still have my practice jacket and I have my practice foil. So my son likes to like get them out. I have to be a little careful because he'll whack everything in the room with the practice mm-hmm. foil. But mm-hmm. yeah. Styrofoam ones now. So if you want to get like they yeah, have a styrofoam one that so you can whack anything. If that's don't tell you. him. Don't tell him that. <laughs> don't tell him that. All right. So I, I always like to think about where to start and, you know, researching kind of your background and especially around the, the fencing piece was some of the most fun interview prep I've done in the whole time I've done explore the space. Cause it just took me back to such great times and such a wonderful sport. One of the things about fencing that has always resonated for me. And I think it is an interesting kind of reflection on how we who want to also be in medicine have to think about our life and our work. And it's the concept of speed and tempo. Mm-hmm. Is there a faster sport at the moment of truth? Is there a faster sport than fencing? And in particular, your type of fencing, saber fencing, is there anything faster? That's a really good question. And my first instinct is no. And the reason I say that is because for the last Olympics in 2016, they did like a study and the tip of a saber weapon well, like with the Olympic fencer holding it. So you, travel, right? Yeah, right. Can yeah. travel faster than a bullet. That's really wow. Fast. That's fast. yeah. I had no idea. So yeah, I would yeah. like archery or something like that, but I don't know. If we're faster than a bullet, but I don't know. And I think it's also just the movement of the human body. When I'm thinking about that level of speed, when the two fencers come together, the action for the amateur viewer is impossible to follow because it's so fast. But when it gets broken down like super slow mo. Oh my gosh, just seeing the muscles of the hand and the wrist and the arm, it is the coolest thing. Yeah, I, it's it's hilarious having people who have never seen fencing before watch it because they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> totally. And <laughs> they're always kind of like, do. they're always kind of like, wait a minute, you're not like trying to kill each other? Like, that's not really the point. Like, it's not a mortal combat. Sorry. Right. I just tell them to watch Epe because for people who are listening, like, there's three weapons, Foil Saber and Epe, and Epe is the simplest to grasp. Because literally, whoever hits, whatever light comes on, that person gets to touch. You don't have to explain any rules. You just look at them. They hit each other. The light goes on, and you you can follow. And for you, you've decided to enter the one that is by far the most complicated with the biggest target area and the most speed, because that's just how you're going to roll. Yeah, you you can't understand it. And and it's funny, too, because... Olympic qualifying season. So this one in 2016, I had my friends come to a couple of World Cups and national competitions. And I told my teammates, like, just tell them when to cheer because they've got no idea. (laughs) And I would just turn around. I see my friends look at my teammates and just start clapping like they had no idea what's happening. Do you ever have moments where you reflect or when you're watching like with your coach or with your team, like, I can't believe I'm actually this fast. This is that's freaky because I watch and I can follow it and I know the rules and I know how it scores. You are really, really fast. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is I'm trying to be slower. (laughs) Really? Why? The funny part, because it's all about, um, well, you know this, it's all about strategy. So you can't be fast at the wrong times. And and one of the things I've been working on since I literally started fencing is like, as I, as the bout progresses, I can get faster. So just like really harnessing the speed is, is where I'm trying to stay. But what's funny is, 
you know, so I fenced internationally and different countries have different styles. And there are some countries that are just fast, like really, really fast. And I was fencing um, at the World Cup this weekend and it's been a whole year since we competed. And I was fencing this girl, this Japanese girl, and they are like lightning. And I was like, hey, wait, I'm fast. (laughs) I got this trip and she's fast and I'm fast. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite if there's ever a time where you could fence like for money you could totally be a shark because you'd be like yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm fastish i guess oh yeah exactly and just kind of like rope it open in and then like <laughs> when it's for a hundred dollars boom you're just like lightning yeah just hustle them a little bit like <laughs> just <a poker> totally game. <laughs> i love it street hustle saver fencing it's, it's oh it's, that's hilarious <laughs> that'd be phenomenal you would be so good at it though because you are that fast. It's it's one of those things that when when you watch, um, especially for someone who hasn't seen it, and we'll have links to some of your cool stuff in the show notes. If you don't know what you're about to see, you really have to kind of watch it a few times just to say that a human being is moving this quickly. It, it's it's there's nothing like it. Yeah, and and awkwardly too, right? It's not like we're running; like our feet aren't run like in the yeah. same direction. Like one foot's going in front of you, one yeah. foot's like kind of perpendicular. It, yeah. It's a really awkward motion, so it's really impressive when you see people moving that way. When you're doing that, where's the power plant? Is it in your legs? Is it in your quads? Is it in your core? What's the power plant for that kind of speed, agility, and also endurance? Because you're out there for a while. You know, what's interesting about that. Like the, as I got more into medicine and, um, and oh, you I, knew where I was going. You totally knew I was just walking <laughs> us into it. Well done. Oh, thanks. So, so originally I thought it was really simple. I thought it was your legs. Um, I thought it was just all, all bottom half of your body. But, um, as I'm studying fencing injuries and just like learning more about how the body works, it's really your everything, you know, like your core is involved, but then your back is involved because your back obviously is opposite of your core. So, you know, as you're lunging and that stability is core, but then pulling yourself back out and recovering out of the lunge, that's your back. And then it's everything. It's glutes, hamstrings, um, calves, uh, it's everything. So that does then tie us into your other great passion in life, your other great calling in life, you're on the cusp of graduating from medical school. And I am excited to share for those who kind of understand the rhythms of the life of medical students and the way we sort of matriculate into next levels. You have recently been told that you have matched into your passion, which is orthopedic surgery. Literally so, 26 hours ago, I found so out. So that's yeah. totally <laughs> awesome. And congratulations. I remember what that feels like. I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, but matching the internal medicine, I was so happy you've matched into an incredibly competitive specialty and that is wonderful. And I'm so happy for you. Has your fencing matured and improved as your understanding of sports medicine and orthopedics and the muscles and the, and the skeleton of the human body has matured and vice versa. Does your expertise in a sport like fencing inform your ability to practice medicine? Yeah, so definitely yes to both of those questions. In terms of fencing, I've learned a lot about, well, I guess it's the answer to both questions. I've just learned a lot about how the body connects. And I yeah. think, you know, looking at very surface level things, um, 
you know, your quad hurts. You're like, oh, I've got to roll out my quad, right? So like as an athlete, this issue hurts. I'm trying to fix this issue. But from a medical perspective, um, not just from setting, but also like unfortunately being a little injured myself (laughs) and (laughs) working with really good strength coaches and really good physician, I've learned how everything connects. So you have to take care of like literally every single part of your body to make sure that you are in tip top shape. The idea that the team has someone like you on it are you just constantly hey kamali my elbow hurts hey kamali i think my 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 abs hurt hey my back's hurting what's up is it just a constant barrage of questions or do they know like give you a little space so that's really funny um and and (laughs) yes and no um so especially recently because now like i I finished my orthopedic electives and i'm officially going to be like uh, in orthopedic surgery. The questions do come to me during practice. So I had uh, one of my teammates a couple weeks ago who was like, he's like, I'm having this back thing. Like, do you think I should do this? Or do I think, do you think I should do that? And unfortunately one of my, um, he's not a club mate, but he's a, a really good, um, he's a great competitor and he's someone who travels with Team USA and he was training with us and he tore his Achilles at practice, which is really unfortunate, especially um, right before one of, one of the Olympic qualifiers. But um, I walked into practice as it happened. So everyone rushed me to the scene and they're like, help him take care of him, all that stuff. So that was unfortunate for him, but that was yeah. a really interesting opportunity to like be in that position and actually know what was going on. So I'm like kind of the like on-site doctor if, if I need to be. It's interesting how those sort of moments of truth help you understand if this calling is the right one for you. Mm-hmm. And because it happens, right? You and you're, you think you want to be a pre-med. I remember being a pre-med, you know, in college and people were like, hey, Mark, what about this? I'm like, right. dude, I'm in like organic chemistry. I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. Like, I don't know anything. Exactly. <laughs> Literally, I don't know anything. But it happens and it does sort of, if that jolt of adrenaline hits you and it feels right, you know, you're on the right track. It was, yeah. It, and and it's like I said, really unfortunate that his Achilles ruptured, but I was asking these questions and I was like, wow, I think your Achilles ruptured. You know what I mean? And <laughs> it was like cool to be able to link that together, but like obviously like really upsetting for him. So that was. And, and that's the maturation process though, that we all go through is we yeah. have that weird juxtaposition and it doesn't go away. Right. We okay. have this language where we we talk about this was an interesting case or, Hey, look at this interesting finding, but you always have to remind yourself. That's a human being on the other end of it. It's not interesting right. to them. It's horrible. Right. And reconciling that is something that we all learn and go through and really continually have to get better at and, and kind of acknowledging that, cool, I'm able to make this diagnosis, but oh my gosh, I just made this diagnosis. This is right. bad. Right. It was, it was like super upsetting. I mean, it's like, it was the week before a competition, like a really important competition. I was like, this could not have come at a worse time, you know, yeah, yeah. before for him he's really young and he's really good like i said so he has like two olympic games left left in him and his spirits are pretty high right now so that's really exciting that is very cool so then this is the this is the part where i it's i i don't understand at all and i am really excited to hear from you people have a passion in their life and they go after it really really hard and they dedicate everything to it and that's great and we find it and for a lot of people it's medicine and for a lot of people it's sports it is really, really uncommon for the two to intersect at points of this level of intensity simultaneously. You're in medical school, which is a crucible in and of itself. You're going after a very competitive specialty, which, look, that's enough, right? Mm-hmm. And in parallel, you are on the cusp of going to the Olympics. 
what is the mindset? Like, how do you address yourself each morning when you wake up and how do you set goals for three months, six months, a year, 24 months, taking on two fully absorbing passions at the exact same time? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I try to figure this out every day. I'm like, how are we still getting through this? But, um, I goal setting is my life. I'm like, and I should trademark myself as like the goal setter. Like I'm so good at it because uh, it's the only reason I've been able to get to where I am now. And long-term, like I set at the beginning of every season, which happens to like coincide with like the school year, which is really cool. Wow. Like academia and athletics are like so intertwined in my life, but I sit down and I like make goals for the year. And I figure out what needs to get done this year. And, and then I make um, shorter term goals that help me with those usually like three, two or three goals. Um, and then every month or so, I just double check and I evaluate and how am I doing with those goals? So, for example, obviously the goal for this year is to make the Olympic team. Um, and that's something I like I write on my whiteboard so I can see it every day. But the three goals of that would be like, you know, win the national competition or come in top 16 at a World Cup or or get better with like X, Y and Z action. And then I make three goals of that. of How am I going to get to reach these three goals? And I'm constantly looking at what I wrote down and evaluating myself. I um, also have a journal that I write in. I try to write in every day. I'm terrible at journaling, but Usually it's like two times a week or so. And I rate myself on how I do at practice and I rate myself on how I do um, in terms of like electives and things like that. So I can honestly say, like, did you do your best? How can you do better and, and make sure that I'm always improving? How many hours a day do you put in to prepare for the Olympics? So you've set your goal. You want to go to the Tokyo Olympic Games in 2021. Let's acknowledge, right? We thought you were going last year. And everything obviously got upended. The Olympics were postponed and we're anticipating that they're going to happen later this summer. How many hours a day does the Olympic athlete put in? I've interviewed Olympic athletes back in the day when I was a sports writer. So I kind of have a sense of the answer, but I think it's probably different for each sport. But to be on that trajectory and to maintain fitness and tempo and peaking at the right time, how many hours a day on average per month would you say? Oh my goodness. A lot, a, a lot. And a it lot. kind of changed. <laughs> Let me think about, it, but it's kind of changed because of COVID. So sure. normally like pre COVID, we would do two practices a day. Okay. Both practices would be like two and a half hours. So it's five practice, five hours of fencing. Right. And then you have like an hour and a half, um, twice a week. I, I work out with my strength coach. So that'd be an hour and a half that day. The other three days I'm at the gym doing my own thing. So then that's like six and a half hours. And then, um, if you use like PT involved, that's another hour. So like seven hours and then, um, sports psychology that, so I see a sports psychologist every week, but then in terms of like meditation imagery, um, all that would be like an hour and a half. So it's eight and a half hours. And then you have, um, I do video review. So that's really important. So I would say it's 40 hours, 40, 50 hours a week more than that, 40, 40 to 60 hours a week. So a full-time job. Yeah, right? basically. Yeah. So then we set that down next to what I do have a better understanding of, which okay. is going to medical school. And I think let's be clear for the, there are certain specialties that people try to match into that there's less slots. And so the law of supply and demand is in play and they're, com they're more competitive. And yeah. orthopedic surgery is one of those. You need premium grades and premium test scores and premium interviews to match in orthopedic surgery, which you just did. 
Yeah, which is so pretty, pretty exciting. That's, an, that's amazing. <laughs> but it's amazing in a vacuum, too. I'm just trying to figure out where do we find the hours to do both? And I'm not asking this to challenge you. I, I mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's rather awe striking because you have to sleep. You have to talk to your family. You have to maintain good nutrition. You know, you, I know you occasionally scroll through Twitter and post some cool stuff. Like you have an outside life. You're a whole person. Is one of the goals just to find the hours? Oh, for sure. I'm, and I think the biggest like thing that I've always had to deal with in med school and fencing is I always feel guilty when I'm doing one thing. I, I should be doing something else. I mean, huh. when I'm in school, I should be training. When I'm in training, I should be in school. So right, right. Um, for me, the answer to that question is that I've significantly spaced out my medical school education. And I think in doing that, it's given me more time to focus on both. So I'm not cramming in everything at the same time. So I started med school in 2012, which was nine years ago. And I did two years of med school. And then I took time off um, to train for the 2016 Olympic Games. And I went to business school. So I got an MBA. And um, while getting an MBA is very difficult, it's the time required is not the same as it is for like third year of medical school. Um, and then I came back for my third year of med school after 2016 and did my third year of med school. And that year I was like very, very rarely practicing. So maybe went to practice twice a week. If I could do something, it'd be on the weekends. I also worked on the weekends to like finance my, my fencing career. So usually the weekends were like studying and work and trying to do both that at the same time. And then after that, after third year, I did um, two years of research. So I moved to New York and I was able to do research uh, close to my training, which was awesome. And that like cut down so much commuting time. That was just like the best thing that could have happened in my fencing career. And then I took off another year of school before the pandemic 2019 to only focus on fencing. So it's not that I'm fencing 40 to 60 hours a, a week every week for the last eight years it's that's what i'm doing like olympic season and trying to do if some somehow my schedule allows for it have you found that your medical school has been supportive of the trajectory that you set and the schedule that you set yes and, and it's funny too because every time i come to them <laughs> i'm like hey i i want to do this they just look at me like who are you and not in a negative <laughs> way but just like yeah who who is this like creative and comes up with all these things and yeah. I've when I like was looking for when I was trying to make the 2016 Olympics I was like okay well what's going to help me academically but what's also going to put me in the best situation so I could train and be really efficient and just the fact that I've been able to work all this stuff out and I'm not like breaking any rules or anything like that I'm like using um what the school allowed me to do and I think it's been really awesome because it's shape my career in a really different way, which I think was really helpful for interviews and for mashing into surgery. And I think will be very helpful after the fact as well. So my school is just like, (laughs) go for it. But, but the funny thing was a lot of people, because the Olympics were postponing year, a lot of people thought I was going to take this year off of school. And I said, Oh, absolutely not. I'm not going to be in med school for 10 years. You only have <laughs> so my school asked me and I laughed at them. I said, no, you, you, you're not going to see me after this year. I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. You're never going to see me again. You're going to have the biggest and best graduation party in the history of your medical school. Everyone's going to be just like, we did it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone did this. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. Where are you with understanding what you've accomplished and where are you with understanding what you still want to accomplish? Ooh, um, 
it's really cool because I've kind of been the med the the med student fencer for eight years now, I guess in college too. So since 2007, I've been like the girl who wanted to be a doctor, who wanted to be a fencer. And then after college, the girl who wanted to be a doctor, who wanted to be an Olympian. And now literally in three months or two months, um, both are very, well, I'm definitely going to graduate med school, but um, it's very feasible that I could go to the Olympics. So it's, it's kind of crazy that both of these things are happening at the same time. And, and I'm, I'm very positive. Like I'm always finding the silver lining. And I think originally my plan was to go to the Olympics in 2020 and then graduate med school in 2021. And it's just really interesting that life and the pandemic has kind of forced it. So both of them have to happen simultaneously, which yeah. is really, really cool. And it's so funny because I've been focused on this for so long. Like I, I just realized maybe a couple of months ago, I need new goals. Like af- after this happens, then what do I do? You know, I'm not going to be the med student fencer. You want to be the doctor and the fencer. So like now what, wh- where am I going? So I'm not really sure what's next. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm kind of enjoying where I am, but I'm also excited to to create some new goals and, and ambitions. So then to be clear, after this Olympic season is over, will this wrap up your, your fencing career in, in the way that you've been doing it? Yeah. I mean, it's, I love fencing and I love traveling and competing. And it's crazy because I just came back from Budapest for a week yesterday. And even though we couldn't leave the hotel and we could only go to the fencing venue, it was just so refreshing to like be around and be in another country and, and fencing competitions are so crazy because you have all these countries and all these languages. And like, I speak like three words and like six different languages. So I can just like talk to my friends and, and stuff like that. And I love it, but it's so demanding and, and residency obviously is demanding. And it's not like med school where you can kind of postpone things. Like you're a doctor and you're taking care of people. You're, you're, you have patients, you know? So, um, after this residency definitely comes first and I don't think I'll be done fencing per se. I mean, maybe after residency, I'll like go to a, like a competition or something like that, but I'm definitely not going to be training at this level in residency. When the time comes where you begin to coach, And I would imagine that time will come because acknowledging the remarkable pluripotency of your career already, where do you want to instruct people? What, what parts of being a coach and a mentor excite you the most or have, have you thought about it? Have you had time to think about it? Yeah, no, that's, I I have thought about that because I feel like everyone, I think the really cool part about being in, well, let me ask you, let me back up. So I, I am a member of a fencing club called the Peter Westbrook Foundation. And Peter Westbrook is, you should Google him. Everyone should Google him. He's a really amazing guy. He is from Newark, New Jersey. He's African-American and Japanese, and he made six Olympic teams. And let me tell you, I have tried to make two Olympic teams um, and making six of them is like a crazy, crazy um, achievement. And and I don't know many people who have done that. So he decided to create a fencing club for uh, minorities in the New York City area. And that's where I started fencing. And we have the most uh, number of national team members and Olympians out of any fencing club in the U.S., which is amazing because we're all like middle class minorities. And it's great to see us reach that level of success. But one thing that he always instills in us is that you have to give back to your community. And what we do on Saturday mornings is we teach 100 kids like age 7 to 18 how to fence. And we kind of just get them excited about fencing. And some of them just fence on Saturday mornings until they go off to college. And some of them get really serious and they come join us for practice um, throughout the week. And it's really fulfilling to see 
kids just have a good time and find themselves. So for the last 10 years, I've been, is it 10? Yeah. For the last 10 years, I've been like a, a coach and a mentor and I am like the academic person. So I set up meetings for all the kids. And once they're in high school, we go over um, like writing your personal statements and um, how to talk to coaches. If you're interested in fencing, which ones would be the best for you, like where you are in your fencing career or what you're trying to achieve. And uh, we go over like how to build a resume and all that stuff. So I think I'm definitely going to stay in that lane because I just think there's the people just don't know certain things. And because I've been applying to schools for so long and I've been a student for almost three years of my life, like that's one thing I've got in the bag. Coaching itself is not for me. I get really stressed out about it and I'm like <laughs> jumping up and down on the side and it's stressful, but academic mentorship is definitely my lane. That will be very, very exciting to see how that kind of illuminates itself for you and how you illuminate it because obviously the opportunities will be there. And I would imagine that for a number of reasons, you'll be highly sought after. I think people who listen to this show, when they get that sense of your expertise around how to set goals and then how to execute on the set goals that you've created, I think that's going to tap a lot of people's interest. And I think that the book that you write will, that will require a significant amount of attention. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about writing a book. I'm like, ah, maybe. <laughs> when when you have time, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it kind of follows that rubric of give the people what they want. Like it kind of feels mandatory at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I think right. it'd be really cool. I have the title and everything. I can't share that, but I, right. I definitely know how I want it to go. Well, good. And whenever that book gets released, you'll have to come back on the show for sure to talk about it. Oh, um, definitely. But I'm glad that you're going to write a book because there's a lot there. And, you know, the goal setting stuff, I think, especially it's 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 always a mystery it's different for every kind of year and generation and political climate and social climate and whatever is kind of going on in the world it frames how we're able to set goals and what goals we want to set and to get that insight from someone who's been doing it at this level for this long is really really important mm-hmm. so you're not going to write your book yet and that's fine because you have plenty of things to attend to so i want to just make sure by the time this episode goes up, we'll have moved through the euphoria of matching, finding out where you've matched, celebrated around that. But then we have to really start to lock in because the Olympics are going to be how far off? When when are the when is the next big hurdle for you in terms of making the US Olympic fencing squad? So that would be May. We have an, two more competitions left. We have a World Cup that has not been scheduled yet. And we have a national competition that is at the beginning of May. So, I mean, for me, I like personally locked in. Um, it, I locked in in January when we found out we had a competition last weekend. And I've just been training for that and like doing a lot of mental training and mindfulness because like actual physical training um, is not optimal. And like, we've had a bunch of COVID cases and couldn't be in in the, not the gym, but in the fencing club for a couple of weeks. Um, So I'm already here. You know what I mean? Like I'm already like where I need to be. Yeah. But now it's just really like focusing on, I would just say more mental strategy than anything. Cause everyone knows how to parry. Everyone knows how to attack. It's not about that. It's about like 14, 14, if you lose this bout, you don't make the Olympic team. You can't think that, you yeah. know, like you can't have those thoughts infiltrate your mind. So you have to do the best you can is to like stay positive and stay confident. And that's, that's what I'm focused on for the next couple of months. What are the exercises around that? Because that's such a critical skill and it's something that I 
struggle with and continually try to get better at is the positive self-talk. What are the exercises that you have found to be effective around maintaining that sense of positive approach to whatever challenges in front of you? That's a great question. And I've been working on this for years, for years. And it's really, 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 really exciting because, um, like I said, we just had a world cup in Budapest, um, this weekend, last weekend. Um, and it was so, the positive thinking was so natural. It was like the first time I was like, Oh my God, thank God this is actually working. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but okay. In terms of there's, there's a lot, I'll, I'll just touch on a couple of things briefly. I would say the first thing is just like writing it down. I know a lot of people, and I think that's just been like my thing for years. Like a lot of people are really afraid to say what they want because they don't want to jinx it or they sound silly or whatever, whatever. I found the more you say something out loud, the more you believe it and the more it is like likely to happen. So if you believe like in the universe, like putting it out in the universe and the biggest example of that was when, um, you know, I've been saying since third year, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. And, and there's never been any doubt in my mind, but obviously you don't want to say like, I'm going to be an Olympian because you think you might jinx it or you might sound silly or whatever. And after I I interviewed, I finished my last interview, I hung up the zoom and I said, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. And there was absolutely zero doubt that it was going to happen. And then fast forward to yesterday with match day, like it's happening. Right. Which is like really cool. And just saying it and writing it down and seeing it every day, it changes your mindset of, of something that you think can happen to something that can actually happen. Cause if you're writing it down, it has to happen. Like, why would it just not happen? So that's the first thing I do. Um, the second thing I do is I have positive affirmations that I say every day. Um, and once again, when it comes to scheduling, like I, I need to do things every day, but they don't always get done every day, but I would say at least five days at the week. Sometimes I take the weekends off, but I say my affirmations and it's whatever the, it's the opposite of whatever negative feelings kind of pop up naturally. Right. So like when I was fencing for the 2016 Olympics, I got really, really good, really, really quickly. But in the back of my mind, I was always nervous that I wasn't good enough because I was in med school and I wasn't like fencing 13 times a day, like some other people were, you know? So my brain would go to, well, you haven't done two a day's this month because you had an elective and this, this quad, my brain goes to, you have been training eight years and you've been getting less sleep than everyone for a reason. And that's because you're more dedicated, you're more hardworking, whatever, whatever, you know? So I think kind of taking your natural thoughts and spinning them around. So yeah, I mean, my brain's still not wrong. I haven't been doing, well, now I have, but like a couple years ago, I wasn't doing two days, but I still work really hard. And that, that shouldn't be negated just because I wasn't physically in the fencing club. And this is something that is syncopated. It's, it's automatic. As you said, you're doing this exercises every day for years, right? For years. And now it's, it was natural. It was coming out more naturally when the Olympic season started, which was 2019. But the reason I'm so excited that it happened now is because I was so nervous about the pandemic, right? Like I didn't train for, I didn't train like the same level I was training for months, not just because I didn't want to, but because our fencing club was closed, then it opened and then there were COVID cases. So it was closed. I was doing my elective, all these things that are just not what you need to be doing Olympic year. Right. And then on top of that, the U S doesn't have their stuff together. Other countries have their stuff together and they're training and they're seeing each other. So it was in my mind, I felt like it was going to be really easy for me to kind of revert to those same thoughts. 
and I showed up to this competition and I was like, listen, you've been working really hard and you're going to do great. <laughs> and when things got really tough in the competition, my brain was like, Hey, we're doing great. Keep it up. And I was like, this is amazing. So, wow. um, rep- so I realized it was realized in this last event. Yeah. Repetition is key. And it's, and it's, it just shows so much progress from where I was four years ago. That is amazing. So then as we move through, uh, the trajectory towards the Olympics, how would people who have now kind of heard about you and want to see what's going on, how do they follow the events? How do they know what's next? And then how do we know, okay, cool. It's official. You're going to the Olympic games. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. There's a couple of ways you can follow. So I have a blog, it's called saber and a stethoscope and it's kamalithompson.com. On that blog, I have my Road to Tokyo section that talks about all of the competitions that happen for the qualifying qualifying season. Um, and you can read all the ones that happened before, too. And it's great because I'm very honest. If I don't do well, I like write about it. If I do do well, I write about it. So I think it, it really gives you a dive into like what's going on. I have the competitions that are up that are that count on the website and then I can post a link to from USA fencing. So you can see like how to read the results and all that stuff. And then on Instagram, um, I'm Kamali Thompson.USA and I'm always posting when I go to competitions, um, and putting highlight reels up so you can like just be there with me. And then I tweet about it. So that's Kamali underscore Thompson on Twitter. So you can find out everything somehow or another. <laughs> That is really cool. This has been so much fun. I am so glad I got to speak with you with all of these amazing things happening in your life simultaneously. And then we can follow along as we all kind of go forward together, because these are the kind of stories that are just, they're so compelling and they're so exciting. This has been amazing. And it's, it's really fun to share with people. And when I started my blog, I started it because I wanted to share some things that I learned about school and fitness it's a fitness travel and education blog, but also for the season to really share what goes on and, and how you feel. And because a lot of people just see you at the Olympics and they see you with the medal, they don't see all the craziness that happens leading up to it. And it's really been really fun to share with people. That is tremendous. And it's going to be great for us to all kind of keep following and see what happens over these next few months. It is very exciting. What a treat. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was just an absolute blast. I really appreciate it. Thank you too, Dr. Shapiro. I really appreciate it. My thanks once again to Kamali for joining us on this episode of Explore the Space podcast. I put all of those links that she mentioned in the show notes to her blog, Saber and a Stethoscope, her social media tags as well. And there's also a link to the Peter Westbrook Foundation, which she mentioned. And there's a YouTube clip of Kamali in action. Definitely check it out. It is really, really cool to see. Thank you also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thank you to Caroline for sponsoring this episode. Check out Caroline for everything you need to manage patient care at your fingertips. Go to www.caroline.ai backslash explore to learn more. And thanks to you for checking out this episode of Explore the Space. Please do check out the archive www.explorethespaceshow.com. Definitely subscribe wherever you like to listen to your shows and leave us that rating and review. It really helps us out. You can email me, Mark, at explorethespaceshow.com. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS Show. We will be back soon with more. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Explore the Space Podcast. Looking forward to seeing you again. Until then, wear your masks, maintain physical distancing, get your COVID-19 vaccine as soon as you are able to. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. 
visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com. 